0: 10, 9, ignition sequence start, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. The Treehouse of Liberty podcast is hosted by Jason Fornwald and comes to you from the bright red corner of the bright blue state of Maryland.
1: Hello, once again, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome into another episode of the Treehouse Literary Podcast. I am your host, Jason Fornwald, and thank you so very much for deciding to join me once again. You guys are in for a treat. Um, it's another one of those shows where you don't have to listen to my voice the entire time. Like I tell you all the time, I don't even like to listen to my voice for half an hour sometimes. Um, but I am going to bring back Ray Um And anytime Rich asks for time on the show, I'm more than happy to give it to him. He's one of those people who is extremely educated and informed not only about our history but about current events um, and always comes to uh, each issue that we discuss i feel like with a very rational and reasonable kind of attitude Um, he is passionate like i am but he kind of seems to be able to keep his passion under control a little bit better than i do of course that's not particularly difficult Um, But I think you'll enjoy getting to hear from Rich again, and so sit back, relax, you know you don't even have to kick your shoes off before you put your feet up on the table here in the Treehouse of Liberty.
0: And now, ladies and gentlemen, I'm very pleased to welcome in a good friend of mine, a semi-mentor of mine, and and somebody who has his pulse, I think, or his finger on the pulse of what's going on in this country right now. Um and frankly it's it's not very optimistic, I don't think, uh just from what we were talking about off air. But I, I like Rich because he's somebody who is very educated, very informed, and most of all very real. Um he's not somebody that's gonna pull any punches. And if you've heard him on the show before, um you know that's the case. But as I've told you before Rich is somebody who approaches things a little bit differently um, than I do. I'm more the screaming, and yell and jump up and down type, and he's more the type to kind of sit back and analyze things. So, Rich, thank you so much for deciding to join, to join me again, and I really appreciate you coming back on, my friend.
2: Love coming on, man. Great show. Thank you for having me. So I think the
0: way you are approaching this or the way you're looking at it is that, you know, a lot of the things going on right now are kind of government efforts uh, to do something that you talk about very regularly to um, kind of divide us as a people and be able to attack us from different directions.
2: Sure. I mean, the one thing that you have to look at, Jason, is that, you know, if you're committing a crime against one person, the best way to deflect that is to, is to deflect that crime or or sort of lead people astray and lead them a different direction so they don't see what's actually being done to them. The federal government has amassed a $26 trillion debt, which is nothing short of criminal. It's not just something that, you know, could be a mistake. I have an accounting background. I have a business background. You know, you don't make a $26 trillion mistake. You make a twenty trillion mistake on a balance sheet. If you're a big company, maybe you even make a $260,000 mistake. But when you're making a $26 trillion error, and what what I mean by error is you're driving the national debt over $26 trillion. It's a criminal act against the American people. What you're doing is you're writing checks you can't cash and then taxing your population to cover interest on your debt of which they will never recover. This is the kind of thing that happens to a country. Despite everybody thinking America is the eternal empire, I'm sure they thought that in Rome, I'm sure they thought that in Britain as well. Right. But I will tell you, this is the kind of thing that cracks the spine of any empire or any large country or any powerful country. They've done it. It's criminal. And now it's a whole effort to deflect Everything that they've done, so that it's not a Patrick Henry situation. Because I'm telling you, if people unified under one banner, the banner that we need to get rid of the criminals, and that's Republicans, Democrats, all of them, that have done this to the American fabric, the American, the American economy, and the American people, we will never ever get ahead, and we are doomed to fail. Just to just to tie it in, um, COVID-19. We talked about this last time. It was. An epic failure. America looks like a laughingstock around the world. Unfortunately, they look like a laughingstock because, quite frankly, they weren't able to do what needed to be done when a pandemic hit. This is a hundred-year storm, Jason. This is this is already a hundred thousand dead people. This is bad. I mean, this is not a good thing. You know, Maryland has you know Maryland has three over three thousand deaths, seventy-four thousand cases. New Jersey, my other former home, is a hundred and fifteen thousand, hundred and fifty thousand with 15,000 dead, and it just goes on. New York is a catastrophe. We're talking about massive death tolls. This isn't the flu. The flu is 20,000 in a year. This is 100-plus thousand in a matter of two and a half months. This is this is dangerous. Right. It's a serious situation, and unfortunately, our federal government could not watch us and protect us while we slept. They, left, they They put the American people off. They told all the businesses to close. And then, all at once, all at once, The entire population put their hands up and said, okay, we need our unemployment. The federal government went, oh, my God, how am I going to pay for all this? 35% 35 of our working population just said they need money. We don't have any money. We're $26 trillion in debt. So what do they do? They they get the people riled up through the media to get out there and hold signs against the whole idea of wearing masks, of, of being off at all, it's just the flu. It's all crazy. Fauci's evil. And I watched this happen. I'm thinking, my God, what's going on? And what did these people do? They took their picket signs. Masks are unconstitutional, and all this craziness. They picketed outside the businesses that they formed, that they worked at that were closed because of, because that government made them close. Right, right. And I'm thinking to myself the whole time, Jason. I'm thinking, what a beautiful deflection this was. <laughs> right. I'm, and I'm a- like, I'm like, yeah. Yeah, and, and I don't want
0: to. I don't want to downplay what you're saying because there's a lot of truth in that. I mean, this this is a serious issue. There's no question about that. It is not Spanish flu. It is yeah. not the Black Plague. Um, it's serious, and we need to take it seriously. And sure. I think I, I've been one of those people who has been conflicted with the medical approach to this versus the constitutional approach to this.
2: Sure, it's been hard.
0: I, I am firmly one of those people who thinks the government can't make me wear a mask because if they can, a mask is an article of clothing. So is a swastika armband. Sure. They can make me wear one, they can make me wear the other. Sure. I'm glad you brought up Dr. Fauci too. I am so furious with this little troll that I can't even put it into words. He came out just last week and said that he knew from the beginning that masks worked. He told us that masks didn't work So there would be enough of them for medical professionals that needed them. And certainly I want those people to have all the equipment they could ever ask for. But when you know mass work and you're telling people they don't, you are directly responsible for infections and deaths. Sure.
2: I think he's telling people what he's told to say. I think Fauci is a puppet as well. I think he's led one direction and another direction. I don't think he's speaking his own words really. I think honestly it's, Here's the thing. You're right about what you said. It's not the Spanish flu. It's not the Black Plague. The biggest reason why it's not either one of those, Jason, is we're not those countries anymore. Those countries and those worlds did not have the science and the technology we have today. It's easy to have a Spanish flu that kills 50 million people when there's no such thing as a ventilator, when there's no such thing as hydrochloroquine or other things to to somewhat make things better. People aren't as healthy now. I mean, weren't as, healthy, weren't as healthy then as they are now. They're not, you know, they're not, it, it's a very different scenario. You know, you're talking about a population where the average life expectancy was much lower because everything from, you know, nutrition to, to, you know, what have you, medical conditions like high blood pressure, heart disease, you know, diabetes, they went unchecked. So, of course, it's easy to see why Spanish flu kills 50 million when right. you're, with, with no medical technology to help it's going to be harder to kill a population that that drastically with COVID-19. Not just because it's not a serious thing, but because we're we're not in the, the same point in history medical tech, medical technology. So it, we're we're different now. It's gonna it's harder to get rid of us. It's kind of like, you know, it it used to take a whole day to go from you know here to your aunt's house, you know, on your horse and okay. buggy. Well, now now it's eight minutes. So yeah. we're not the same people. So. Yeah, I mean, I, I saw pictures of people in New York in the, during the Spanish flu 1918 laying in beds with no, with nothing hooked up to them at all. No, no There's no such thing as a ventilator. Right. So they're just in, in warehouses and beds dying because that's what happens when you don't have the medical technology. Well, we're not those people. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, if COVID-19 was back then, it would have killed millions more people than it's going to kill now just because we're not that same population
0: absolutely true. I mean, certainly the medical technology is night and day different. But, you know, I mean, the, the risk factors that seem to go along with COVID-19, we actually have more of. You know, I mean, it, it's right. obesity, it's high blood pressure. It's, sure. Uh, yeah.
2: We have we have medications to treat problems that maybe we wouldn't have had if we were working in steel mills and working right. more physical jobs. You're absolutely right. But it, it's a catch-22, there's no question. But I still rule on the side that, you know, largely one of the best things that we have going for us is medical technology today. And of course, a lot of the things, you know, with the people, the population, we are a healthier population, I would think. Uh, I would also say tying it all in, you know, COVID-19, the the ability of our federal government and, and, you know, we shouldn't as, as libertarian, more libertarian minded people that you and I are, we should, we don't want to ask the federal government for anything. Right. Uh, However, there are times when a federal, federal government is going to be needed, time of war, time of crisis like this pandemic, where it's not just a physical destruction of, of a population. It can, be, it can be an economic destruction, which could have far-reaching effects even after this is all flattened. But they basically put this country in a position where they cannot take care of this population. Yeah. A 90-day quarantine was the recommended course of action. A 90-day quarantine where people could be financially taken care of. Listen, people that work 20 years, you're asking for 90 days' worth of help from your federal government. Not too much to ask to keep people from getting sick. 25-year-olds don't get sick. They bring it to their 50-year-old aunts and uncles, they go on ventilators. They bring it to their 70- and 80-year-old grandparents, they go in the ground. That's how this works. So... We should have been able to put these people off for 90 days. We should have had surpluses in our economy for situations like this where we could have taken 80% of the non-essential workers and put them in their house, kept them safe, and made sure they were financially taken care of. The one time our federal government was truly needed, not to, not to wage ridiculous wars that had nothing to do with national security, uh, that's a whole other show, mm-hmm. but... but the one time it was needed, it's not there, and it's not there because these Republicans and Democrats have committed treason against the American people by putting us $26 trillion in debt. Do you realize that they could tax 60% of the work, they could tax the entire population, working population of this country, 68% of their income, and they would only pay the interest on one year accrued on the national debt? Now, let me ask you, what kind of course is this country on? And, of course, a pandemic hit, we look to our government the one time where libertarians like you and me would say 90 days is a recommendation by everybody that's ever had a Harvard degree or Yale you know, medical degree. Right. And it sounds like it makes sense to flatten the curve of this thing by being able to quarantine. Other countries have done a very good job of flattening the curve because they had the resources to make it happen. We, the greatest country on the face of the earth, with the world's biggest economy and the most supposed resources, could not keep our population off for 30 days. Within two weeks, the media campaign that was launched had everybody out with picket signs saying, let us work, masks are wrong, this is BS, taking our rights, and they're standing outside the companies that the government closed. So think about this, man. You've got the federal government failing the American people to that level where now they're begging to go back to work and get sick and bring that home to their families. And they think it's constant. they think it's they think it's the right thing to do. It's a campaign. Because and, and it all comes down to this. They know it's wrong. They know that what they know what they should have been able to do to keep everybody safe, but they can't do it because they can't financially do it. You know, and that's, and that's one, the bad thing. It's just like the B L M thing. It's the same thing that's getting stirred up there.
0: Right. One of the things that really struck me and and we were talking before we came on air about Thomas Jefferson and how He's my favorite founder, and I've had to justify the absolutely unbelievably great parts of him with the parts of him that were honestly pretty horrible sure. you know, between writing the Declaration of Independence. you've got to give him credit for that and then you look at, you know him having his own slaves when he quote unquote opposed slavery, you know you have to find a way to justify that it sure. kind of, it kind of, as I've listened to you discuss this and the debt. It kind of takes me back to my favorite modern president, Ronald Reagan. You know, Reagan did so many incredibly great things. And he was also the one that I feel like, even though he seems to be a conservative icon, which I think is a little strange, he was the one that really made it okay to take the reins off of the debt and spend just trillions of dollars that we didn't have. Now, at that time, that that was to – combat the Soviet war machine, and he spent them into the ground, and eventually they crumbled from the inside, just like we probably should have or might sure. in the near future. Um, but it's like I, I, as much as I like him and as much as I respect him, I have to look at that side of it too. I mean, am I wrong in that that's where this debt really started to snowball?
2: I think that I think that Ronald Reagan did what he had to do to take down an empire that eventually was going to be the, the ruination of this country, I think that was that was self-preservation. The Cold War was a real war. It was a war that wasn't fought on a battlefield, but it sure as heck was fought. I will say this. I think that the wars that are being fought now by our modern-day politicians who have done the true damage to the debt, they're the, they're the damaging force. And I'll tell you why. When you have – when you're waging wars in countries, okay – that just so happen to have natural resources that you need to capture because your country is over-consumptive nice. and needs to, have, needs to have resources cheap so obviously you know, people can continue to spend, spend, spend because, listen, when you're $26 trillion in debt, the only thing that money is is debt. How they create more money is create more debt. I know it's crazy. Yeah. It's an economic model that has been used many times and has failed every time. So they have to create a spending economy, a consumer economy, to maintain when when you're when you have that lack of surplus to use your own resources. So what they're doing is they're looking all around the world for natural resources cheap, so they can keep so they can keep that consumptive process going. Gas goes to nine dollars a gallon, everybody screams, doesn't travel, and then things go under. The economy doesn't move. You keep gas at two seventy five a gallon, everything's great. Unfortunately, you have to pull it out of the ground in the Middle East where everybody works for nineteen cents an hour. And the bottom line is to get that oil you have to wage wars. You have to set up you have to go over there and, and basically use your military, use your eighteen year old boys and your and your eighteen year old girls to go over there and start wars to remove dictators, remove one dictator and place another dictator in power. So you can control that dictator, so you can make sure you can keep that oil coming in cheap. It's a, it's a it's a true it's a true essence of a lot of our problem. And of course, by waging these wars, where do you get the money for those? When you're already by you know Reagan puts us trillions in debt, maybe for a good reason. You could I mean, economists will argue that forever, but when you're compounding more of it just to capture natural resources, so that you can basically you know continue this debtor's economy and bolster up these companies. These Fortune 500s that are greasing your politicians' political campaigns, there's the vicious cycle. There's the corporatocracy that exists, the political corporatocracy. The politicians and the corporations are in league with each other. They get tremendous tax shelters. They're allowed to do all these illegal things, their taxes, put their taxes overseas so they don't, GE pays no taxes. I pay taxes. You pay taxes. General, General Electric doesn't pay taxes because they make a lot of campaign contributions. So. The bottom line is, when you put all these things together, and I know it sounds like a whirlwind of craziness, but the political corporatocracy is the exact reason why we will never get ahead. Corporations tell the government what they need, the government prints money to make it happen, they charge us taxes to pay the interest on the money that they make happen, but none of that money gets spent to benefit us. It gets spent to benefit corporations that benefit them. This is, the cycle. this is the cycle of insanity that's happened, and largely happened from Clinton on, and it's been, it has been just absolutely exacerbated.
0: So let me ask you this. Obviously, this isn't something that they're able to come right out and say, but do you think the efforts that Trump has made to make us energy independent, I mean, for God's sake, we're producing more oil than Saudi Arabia right now. I mean, whoever right. thought they would see that happen. um you know, the, those those defense contractors and those defense companies that are lobbying Congress constantly and politicians' hands are getting greased and so are the CEOs of these companies, and I don't want to single anybody out, but, you know, if we're producing more energy than we're using, all of a sudden, you know, that tends to interfere with, hey, we need to go to war so that all these people can get paid and then go over there and steal the oil. Do you think that's part of the issue that some politicians – and and even some CEOs are having with the president is that, sure. you know, you stepped in, you broke all our toys and told us to go home.
2: Yeah, because the, because the political corporatocracy exists to serve the needs of corporations and corrupt politicians whose, both, whose, whose basic methods of operation are to screw the American people out of millions of dollars every single minute of every single day. President Trump, unfortunately for them, is a non establishment president. Right. Um, and he's not part of he's not part of the of the boys' club. So he's he works outside the lines and he defines his own issues based on what he sees individually, not on an entire modus operandi which dictates exactly what I said, whatever the corporatocracy wants, the corporatocracy gets. Right. The republic the establishment Republican and Democrats, your Pelosi's, your Schumers, and you're and all down the line on their side, your McConnells, you know, they're basically all part of the same problem. They you know, listen, the big banks, the largest banks, the investment banks—they contribute equally to both sides of the aisle. Why do you think they do that? Because both sides of the aisle, at the establishment level, basically are in league with them to make sure the wheel keeps turning in their favor. And it doesn't matter if they're if they're elephants or donkeys or reds or blues—they understand who their boss is. So, very simply, why would a why would a company like, you know, uh, Goldman Sachs equally? Support both sides of the aisle. You mean to tell me that they can't find enough differences between the two to support one over the other based on anything, right? Except for the fact that both of them work for Goldman Sachs. So so, you know that's the whole that's the whole issue. And the American people are just so naive that they don't see it. They don't see it.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, I I really think I think history will judge this president very well. I think because of the things that we're talking about, the fact that he does work outside the lines, the fact that he is not looking to get us into foreign wars so that you know defense companies get paid and so that oil gets stolen and all of those good things, I, I I'm a fan. That's no secret. Um sure. But I, I really think I really do think history will look back favorably on him, and I think yeah. it's fortunate that we don't get to enjoy that right now because you have. You know, all these artificial scandals that they keep fabricating, you've got COVID-19, you've got Black Lives Matter, you've got statues being destroyed, you've got yeah. people being killed, people being injured, or cities burning down. You know, all of these things that look horrible, and they are. I mean, don't get me wrong, but
2: I, I think well, it's, a, it's a lot of distraction on the American people. you got to remember, the American people, ever since the COVID thing and ever since ever since that happened, the American people are becoming... You know, very some of them are waking up to it to some degree or another. This federal government can definitely never afford to have an informed populace ever ever. and that that's a guarantee. I mean, that's something that just can't happen. They will divide us along, and I, you and I've talked about this. They divide us between liberals and conservatives. They divide us between you know Republicans and Democrats, Liber, you know but here's the thing. we can divide along all those lines. but you know what? Do you know who who the the political corpusocracy steals from, Jason? They steal from you. They steal from me. They steal from Republicans. They steal from Democrats. They steal from everybody. So if they divide us and make us fight each other, what happens then? Then the distraction is completely in place.
0: Yeah. Uh, uh,
2: If we're fighting each other, we're not fighting them.
0: Exactly, yeah. If you're you're fighting an army of 330 million people, that's one thing. If you're fighting a fractured army that's scattered all over the place, then – Obviously, that's a whole lot easier. What do you think about what has been going on on a civil level, as far as police issues, as far as Black Lives Matter, as far as the the apparent removal of all of our history from our streets? Where where are you on that?
2: I, I think a lot of it is, is designed around nothing. There's not a there's there's not a single person on on the the Democrat side of the aisle when when they're talking about removing all these you know all this history. Of, of basically the entire, the entire American history platform. It, it's being removed for a reason. It's being removed to basically cause the reaction it's causing. The, the, the patriots, the, the, the right-wing side of the aisle, furious because history is being dismantled, cities are being destroyed. The left-wing is excited because they feel like things are being changed and history is being destroyed. And we both fight each other. Republicans, Democrats, liberals, conservatives, red, blue, are basically polarized on social issues. This is the greatest scam of all, the political corporatocracy has to have us fighting social issues. Like do right. we pull down this statue, do we pull down that statue, do we get rid of this flag, that flag. If they do that, if they do that Jason, if they focus on, us on social issues, they can continue destroying us fiscally, which is exactly what they wanna do. They distract us while they rob us and, that, and that's what they're doing as long as they can continue to put, put both sides of the aisle against each other, that it deflects everything from what they're doing behind the scenes to continue to steal our money, raise our national debt, and crush future generations of this country once and for all. And they're going to do it.
0: Right. And the the division that you're talking about, I mean, it takes so little effort. You know, I mean, if you and I were still working together, I, I am certain I would have come in the front door or come straight to your desk and said, can you believe they want to change the Redskins thing? And when you look at the we all the other things that are going on that are so much more important. To be concerned about that is ridiculous, yeah. but putting that out there helps the division, gets us to focus yeah. on something else.
2: Do you realize can me ask you question? Let me tell you this. The last thing I'll say is this is that about this, is that the Republicans on the right side of the aisle, they are no more pro-America than the Democrats on the left on the other side are anti-America. They are not pro-America or anti-America. I'm not talking about the people in the street. The people right. in the street are being led that way, and they may feel that way, and they may think that's the way they feel, but they're being they're being made to believe that that's what they need to do is protest and fight each other. The, the, the left side of the aisle is no more anti-America than the right side is pro-America. They are pro-political corporatocracy. They're pro-money in their pockets. They're pro-continuing a system that bankrupts the nation, charges the American people with exorbitant taxes to continue to pay, the, to pay whatever they can pay on the interest of the national debt so they can continue to write checks to keep corporations happy and funneling money into their pockets.
0: Almost, probably, it almost sounds to me, and correct me if I'm wrong, please, but it almost sounds to me like you're saying that what we see in politics is almost a dog and pony show to keep the population divided so we're not asking questions about what they're doing.
2: better believe it. That's the, that, that, you just summed it all up for me. That's absolutely it. It's, they're, 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 not, they're not pro anything. They're, they're, they are loyal to their they're, they're corporation themselves. They're loyal to the bottom line. And here's the thing. As long as they have us fighting, we're not fighting them. It's very simple. If I don't want to fight you, if I don't want to fight you, I'll get somebody else to punch you in the face, and then you'll be fighting them and I'll be leaving. Right. So it's just, that's what they're doing. They're getting us to fight each other so we don't channel our efforts to fighting them. As long as they keep us fighting, whether this statue comes down or this flag is torn down or whatever, whatever, they're always going to have a way to steal money behind the scenes quietly. They have they have us fighting in the front yard while they come in the backyard. Republicans and Democrats in our house to steal our stuff. Right. That's how this works, and it's continuing to work. And the more and the more they steal, that's how you know they're ratcheting it up. Because the more distractions they put in our place, the more the more distractions that you that they put in front of us. The more, the, more, the more they're stealing. That's why I think it's getting ready to happen. I think the recession is getting ready to happen, maybe a depression, because let's face it, we're never, we've never been more divided.
0: You know, it's funny, and I've been thinking about that, and I've thought the same way, too. I mean, it's like how can the bottom not fall out of this economy with the debt that we have, with the unemployment that we've had, with all of the social unrest that we have going on, and yet every time you see the unemployment numbers, they're getting better.
2: Yeah, no, you're right. It'll it'll, it'll, continue, it'll continue to spiral whatever direction they need to spiral. But I, I'm a I'm a firm believer. You're you're only going to see you're only going to see things get better if it benefits the bottom line for the corporatocracy, I promise.
0: Make sense. It does. We've only got a couple of minutes left, but I, I want to ask you a question that I've asked you before. And I I know this is difficult to answer relatively quickly, but tell me who's in charge. Who is actually running the show?
2: I believe it's the establishment Republicans and Democrats along with corporate leaders who have all been – who are all 100 percent in league with continuing to run up national debt, bankrupt the American people, make slaves – wage slaves of the American people. We continue to work. We continue to consume. We continue to pay taxes, all to feed into paying the interest on the national debt so they can continue to run us down and, and continue to build their power base. I mean they're not going to be poor when this is over. They're going to have all our money.
0: Right what does what does Joe American Joe American like you and I who actually sees the problem who has some kind of grasp of what's actually going on what does Joe American do to contribute to the solution?
2: Uh, continue to educate yourself, read as much as you can, you know, fact check everything. Don't 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 trust don't trust people that have been proven untrustworthy. And they and they have. Hey man. Be smart. Be smart. Be an informed citizen.
0: Rich, I can't thank you enough for doing this. Um, yet again, we're gonna have to do it more. I mean I, I just can't I can't do a half an hour with you and be happy. So uh we'll have to stack some shows up. Have you back, get this done again. I just absolutely love having you here. I appreciate you doing it. Ladies and gentlemen, Rich Rowland. Rich, thank you so much.
2: Thank you, Jason. Thank you very much.
1: And so, ladies and gentlemen, that's going to do it for another episode of the Treehouse of Liberty podcast. I have been, as always, your host, Jason Hornwalt, and what a tremendous privilege to have Rich Rowland on the show again. Um, the guy is just a wealth of knowledge, um, so well-spoken and able to communicate difficult concepts in an easy way, which I think is always an incredible skill for intelligent people to have. Um and Neil deGrasse Tyson is like that. He's probably my favorite one of those people who understands how the universe works and somehow can explain it to stupid old me. Um, Rich is kind of like that with, with practical things and things that actually matter. Um, it's just always such a privilege to get to talk to him, and I hope you guys enjoyed hearing him too. You know I always like your comments, uh, your input, your feedback. Um, I offer you guys time on the show every single week. I hope that more of you will take me up on that. I don't care if you agree with me, disagree with me, you're indifferent, you don't know, you don't care, whatever it is, whatever position you come from, you are welcome to time on this show, and I want you to take advantage of that. Um, I've told you many times, this isn't my show, this is our show, and it can only be that way if you're involved. There are a number of different ways you can contact me. You can contact me on Twitter, at Treehouse1776, at treehouse 1776 it is also the Treehouse of Liberty podcast page on Facebook. Or you can send me a personal email. My email address is jd, F as in Frank, O-R-N as in Nancy, W-A-L-T as in Tom, at gmail.com. Please do get in touch with me. My offer stands. Anything that you would like to say on the show, uh, you're certainly welcome to do that. Whatever position you hold, I, I welcome it all. Uh, once again, this has been the Treehouse of Liberty podcast. I am your host, Jason Fornwalt. Thank you so much for being here. Take good care.